Smoke the bomb smoke. <laughs> Alright. Oh, wait, are we gonna... <laughs> Never mind. What? Say, should, like, we had, like, the cold open last time. Uh, I think the cold open this time will be, like, Godzilla roaring, and then just a theme song, something to that effect. Some sort of barrage of loud noises and sounds. Okay. So just imagine as if you heard the roar of the King of Monsters himself. And, um... King of Monsters, that's what they called me in college. <laughs> podcast once again after uh, i thought we were still just testing oh no that's fine all right welcome good <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the movie blues podcast once again um it's been a little break since our last episode and i'm dan ended and i'm dan Lyons. <laughs> um, and uh we are back again and um, it's been a while it's been a while uh in that period of time we've grown a lot we've changed a lot but um don't think we're going to get into that on this episode because we just have so much good stuff to talk about. Do you want to tell the people what you're wearing today? Um, I'm wearing like a mix between like something you'd wear if you were in gym class and something you'd wear <laughs> if you were at a biscuit show. Um, that's my motif right now that I'm working with. Yeah, I um, feel that. Do you want to tell the people what you're wearing right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm wearing a suit again. No, 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 no. No, no we're being on. No, I'm wearing a very nice uh, Jersey Shore skydiving t-shirt. A Jersey Shore skydiving t-shirt. Yeah, I, I think that about sums up yeah. where, where I'm from. <laughs> do you have to wear a gas mask when you do that? or? Oh, dude, it's great. I'm picturing literally the scene from Godzilla 2014 where they're halo dropping in from the plane. Yeah, it's just like that. Um, so today we went and saw a movie together in reality. For the first time ever. For the first, no, we saw Dunkirk together. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, right, uh, that's, that's really this. Yeah, that's, that's how the podcast began. I, we I, saw, I blocked it out. And we really did not like that. I'm not going to go into quite yet what we thought of today's movie, but uh, I think there are more similarities to Dunkirk than I would have imagined. Yeah, and um, this is exciting because it's the first time we're doing a podcast for like an opening weekend, like current yes, thing. Yes, we were current. We were there at 10 in the morning. Um, on a Sunday. This is a pretty interesting movie to see that early in the morning. And it was if you, packed. If you like having your brain in your head. <laughs> um, and so today's episode is about all things Godzilla. Um, and uh, for those reasons... And the uh, 4D experience. And the don't, 4D don't experience. Don't bury the lead. That's an important thing we're reviewing. We're not trying to bury the lead, but we did see this movie in a new film format called 4DX, uh, which includes in-house special effects and all sorts of things that we're going to get into, but it's not a normal movie experience no. uh, by any means. And it's like seeing a movie at Six Flags. Yeah, it's like being... Yeah, it's, like, I just went to Universal Studios recently, yeah. so like seeing something like we saw today versus that scale... We'll get into it, but I mean, it was a fun uh, experience on the overall. I think there's definitely some things we have to talk about uh, in regards to the 4DX format. The um, point being, it's it's not what you would typically do on a Sunday morning at 10 in the morning. No, no, not unless you're like a crash test dummy yeah. or like someone who works uh, in a G-Force testing plan. Shout out to uh, crash test dummies. They're currently, they just announced <laughs> a uh, 20th anniversary tour of their album that has that mmm, don't they put that on every album, or just... Uh... Well, this is the anniversary of that album, though, oh my so God. they're doing it straight through. So, so if you go, you know say. they're going to play it. 
Um, and <laughs> as such is the case, uh, since this is such a visual medium, you guys can't see that there's all sorts of Godzilla crap all over the table. Yeah. Uh, which uh, I think I feel a little more embarrassed about now having seen the movie that we just saw. But you, you really set the ambiance. I'm a little confused as to why you own the Matthew Broderick one on Blu-ray. Hmm. I think we'll have to... Uh, I don't even know what this is. We're going to get to all that. There's all sorts of interesting things on this table. Uh, some are going to be um, recommendations. Some of them are going to be anti-recommendations. Good. But regardless, all these things have to do with... I've never uh, even heard of this. The man in front is Godzilla. And um, today we saw Godzilla, King of the Monsters. But before that, we are going to talk about the other Godzilla movies a little bit. Um, I want to start by just asking you what you uh, have seen in terms of the old Godzillas, the new ones. Did you see the Matthew Broderick one in the 90s? What has your experience been with not only Godzilla, but kaiju cinema, any big monster cinema? Are you a yeah. fan or are you not? Go ahead. I've uh, I've seen a couple of the old ones, like when I was a kid. You know, I was a prime-aged kid when the Matthew Broderick one came out in 98. So, like, Godzilla was fucking king of the world that year. I had a very nice cup. From Burger, mm. from Burger King, featuring yes. the cover of Godzilla. Um, it was a little bit holographic. I was a big fan of that cup as a boy. They had some great merch. Yeah, there was that was like when fucking movie merch marketing was like. That's when the merch marketing. was before the because this is the point in time they did the Taco Bell commercial. Right. Um. Uh. And I actually recorded that. We're gonna listen to that. Um. In a second here, but we, they did the Taco Bell commercial, and I think that that was so popular. I think it was more popular than the actual movie. Was the Taco yeah. Bell ad campaign? Yeah. Um. I think my, I mean, I was definitely a bigger fan of that cup than I was of the movie. <laughs> yeah, so what did you think? I mean, you were a kid when you saw it. I was a kid when I saw it. Let's do a Golden Gun rating as best we can. Of 1998. Of 1998's Godzilla starring Matthew Broderick and, unfortunately, Hank Azaria. Yeah. Who fell into a pretty big pit with this one. Yeah. Um, so if you had asked me when I was eight and saw it in the theaters, right, I, would have, given, I would have given it a 10 out of 10. Because really? I, I was eight and loved it, and it was epic. Hmm. But I rewatched it actually in college, and it does not stay no. as a ten out of ten. No, it, it, that's, does, it is not good in any way for the most part. I think it would be hard pressed to find people who would still think that uh, you know Roland Emmerich's Godzilla is a ten out of ten. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, I saw Roland Emmerich's other movies such as Independence Day and things like that, and I thought Independence <laughs> Day at the time that was a ten out of ten for me. Like yeah. I, Independence Day absolutely blew my mind. And I think within a year they had announced that Roland Emmerich was going to do the next Godzilla. Um, it was going to be the first American Godzilla ever. Um, and I was excited, like, out of my mind uh, for that movie. Much as, as I was excited out of my mind for Godzilla 2014, which we'll get to why I was so excited about that in a little. But um, I was really excited for the Matthew Broderick one, and I think that was one of the first movies that I experienced kind of disappointment. Really? Where I had watched it, and... I couldn't put my finger on it then as a child. I mean, now I know as an adult and someone who owns it on Blu-ray that it was like a, a movie that had fantastic set pieces and really good spectacle, but like the background chatter and the acting and some of the choices with the design of Godzilla and stuff like that and the way he moved, um, it, it rubbed me the wrong way even when I was a kid. Um, but I loved it on that spectacle yeah. level. Like, I mean, I was seven when it came out. I, I still didn't yeah, have opinion, I was ten, opinion, you know, yeah, opinions I was of what ten. was happening. At that point, the only movies I had seen was in the theater was Toy Story, uh, The First Kid starring Sinbad, and I think I saw The Water Boy at that point. So Godzilla was probably like the fourth movie I ever saw in the theater. Um, I, I, I definitely experienced slight disappointment with it. I remember... I think halfway through the movie they kill Godzilla and Godzilla lays a bunch of eggs and then there's another Godzilla, it's like a female one. Yeah. 
Uh, it just felt weird. It didn't feel right, and it yeah. looked like a giant iguana. I didn't particularly love it, and I didn't like that there weren't other monsters because when I was a kid, watching some of the Toho and old Godzilla movies, there's always like three or four monsters. Yeah. Just didn't have the, have the same vibe. It was closer to a disaster movie, which that director yeah, Roland Emmerich really that. is known for. He's got the the prescription of that. And I um, mean, Independence Day rules. Yes, Independence Day rules. The sequel is like, I was actually thinking of the sequel a couple times today when we were watching that movie though. And um, I, uh, the point I was getting at was that since it was so big when I was a kid, I, I saw a bunch of the old ones because I wanted to because I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I was a kid. I wasn't like blown away or anything, but I always saw them as interesting. I was a big Power Rangers fan. They got a similar vibe to the show yeah. Power Rangers. So like Godzilla was a natural progression from that. Um, I wouldn't consider myself, like, a Godzilla fan. I don't own the Matthew Broderick one on Blu-ray, like you've brought to the table. Well, the thing is, and I was thinking about this a lot today, is what I'm trying to figure out is if I'm a Godzilla fan. Because I am... You own the Godzilla cartoon on DVD. Well, here's the thing about that. (laughs) First of all, the Godzilla cartoon, um, this was, like, during the period of time that I was kind of going back and trying to watch things that I I didn't even know existed. I watched that when it aired. In IPs that I enjoyed, and I found this on the internet one day, and I ordered it, and... I actually do like this cartoon series from a point of view of it came from a really bad movie is actually a solid cartoon series. I would have liked if I were a kid, I would have really enjoyed this. I don't know why I didn't know it was ever on. I think it only lasted one season before it got canceled. But um, it's a solid cartoon series and it gets back to the roots of the point of Godzilla. He's kind of helping out the human team and there's other monsters and there's like a monster island and like I think it gets back to what made it sort of interesting in the first place. But um, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you do that? Because you're more hip with what they're currently doing in visual media. Sure. So, like, I feel like this was a prime era where they would turn every enormous blockbuster movie into an animated series as well. Do they still do that? Uh, No. That was something that was huge in the 90s. Yeah. Um, Because there was, like, the Ace Ventura cartoon. This is actually the same animators, I believe, uh, as uh, who did Men in Black, the cartoon, which I also really enjoyed. I was going to say that. And there was the Mask cartoon, which was awesome. Yeah. There was a lot. There's a lot of Jim Carrey property cartoons. There's Ace Ventura had a cartoon. I own the Ace Ventura one on DVD. Yeah. That sounds just about right. Were you the one that was saying that Ace Ventura 2 is better than 1? Yeah, that that was me. That was... That was, was like, right before we started this podcast. That argument is where... I first said we should start a podcast yes, on Facebook. Right. Us arguing about Ace Ventura. Wow. I was I said this whole argument reads like a podcast We're debate. Really cracking into the origins today for all you uh, movie blues yeah. podcast nerds. So those who uh, have permission to edit wiki, be ready. Yeah, be ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah I, notepads and pencils ready, kids. I didn't love uh, the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. No, I liked it's it garbage. more. garbage. And and this is how I am with a lot of things, and you're going to find out in this quest that we're taking together. Some things I like the idea of more than the actual product. Yeah, totally. There are some things where... That's me with King Kong. Where I'm just sold with the IP. Yeah. Well, if, if you love King Kong, I mean, you should have been all over the, the Kong movie I was trying to recommend you that that's takes a, place in this universe. That's what I'm saying, is that I, I'm a fan of, like, the concept of it more than, like... Okay, right, it. yeah. Whereas, like, the flip side is, like, I never cared about Planet of the Apes at all, but I love the new Planet of the Apes right. movies. Yes, that is the flip side. I mean, really, it's about concept versus execution. And, like, the Planet of the Apes movies took a concept that we were all sick of at that point. But the execution was on par. These movies, Matthew Broderick included, uh, Godzilla 14 included, I would say the one that we saw today included, are kind of like they have a great concept or a great series of mythology, but they can't figure out the right combination to make it all work. And it's making me wonder... 
mean, why do I own these things that are on this table? Am I a Godzilla fan? Well, no, not really. You're, have a, you're, you're a fan of, like, I'm a fan culture. Of, yeah, well... Of, of, like, mainstream, I, like... I'm a huge sucker for any giant monster thing. Right. I'm a huge sucker. So, there are other series, like, you know, Pacific Rim. I love Pacific Rim. Jurassic Park. Uh, I love, you know, all of those movies. I do resonate with pretty much any movie that has a giant monster in it. Uh, I can even watch Pacific Rim 2 as, like total shut off your brain you know like a tv series pilot basically um, yeah. and there are some good large monster movies and and the fact that there are good ones uh such as like the host or shin godzilla which was a recent godzilla movie that had some of the greatest effects and was the darkest godzilla movie i'd ever seen um the original godzilla um from 1954 i feel like is a timeless uh movie that has lots of vibes about um the dangers of radiation, the dangers yeah. of uh, nuclear experimentation. Whereas, kind of in the movie we saw today, the nuclear stuff is more like a superpower that the kaiju can sort of draw from, right. shoot all over the place, and that's cool and everything. But I, I think we'll get into it with the review. I mean, now yeah. that now that I'm watching stuff like Chernobyl, when you understand the effect that any radiation at any level has on an ecosystem, and then you're like watching a movie where. A giant lizard who is so radioactive that he can like draw and harness power from like the universe right. basically is just walking around the earth and not destroying the ecosphere. I mean, it's kind of bizarre. I mean, the right. first movie, the 1950s movie, that's a cautionary tale yeah. on a ton of fronts. Now it's like, where are we at with the social commentary of these movies? I, as of this movie, I'd say there really is none anymore. The last movie with Brian Cranston. I don't necessarily agree with that. Well, but the last we, movie with Brian Cranston, I feel like they went, they they leaned into it a lot more. There's really lots of stuff about nuclear power and about how you know this is like the result of our tampering. And I guess there was. I feel like this movie. I we could tackle this when we get more into the review. But I want to before we drift away from it because you touched upon. I'm just like since I'm not like huge on Godzilla or like monster movies in general, I wanted to bring up something that you ended up drifting to anyway, which I think there's this is an illustration of the prime one of the prime differences between you and my movie taste which i think is perfect for this in that you're talking about pacific rim all these things like i have no interest in like summer blockbusters like i don't i haven't seen like any of them like like whereas i I feel like there's a big difference where you you like you get excited to watch like a pacific rim i just want to say something though before we go too far with that is that that is true and it's also not because it's very dependent on who is the filmmaker? Who is the company making it? What is the attraction that we're going to see? Because if you want to, you know, I don't want to say that I like stupid uh, blockbusters in the sense that there are movies like Fast and Furious, Transformers, um, you know, like very, very broad, uh, loved by America concepts yeah. and IPs. I hate those things. But don't you watch them though? I don't. Well, I do if I'm forced to. The Transformers movies, very reluctantly, I've I've watched. Right. Um, over the years, but I don't like that. I don't like Fast and Furious. I don't like um, like main Americana stuff. Yeah, I like giant I monster I stuff because it's Asian. Likes, I don't think anyone who likes movies likes the Fast and the Furious series. Besides the first well, movie, some people. The first Fast and Furious, but you're talking about movie. the summer blockbuster. And yeah. to me, I like it when the summer blockbuster is done right. Like, and we're going to talk about this in a second, especially. But like, look at a movie like Rogue One. 
to me that is that's popcorn entertainment. Star Wars counts in a different realm. No, but it doesn't. It doesn't because some of those movies I just don't like at all. Right. Um, I'm saying you uh, can't look at that through the same lens as you look at like a a Godzilla. If it's an IP that I like being made by people I respect, I'm all about it. So let me let me curtail this straight into talking about Godzilla 2014 because my excitement for that movie was at an all-time high and I'll tell you why. And I just saw it for the first time. And you saw it and and I wanted to do this special without any of our segments, but from a mathematical perspective, Dan's have never seen is kind of three-way in this because right. you've never seen Godzilla 2014. Right. Both of us have never seen the movie we saw today, so right. we can never escape our, our origins, as it were. No, I think it's nice that we can make the theme work throughout our usual segments. Um, but but to, but to piggyback on what we were just talking about, um, the reason that I was psyched about the movie with Brian Cranston, let's get out of the way first that Brian Cranston was on a career high from Breaking Bad and everyone wanted to see what he was going to do next. And the only reason that I agreed to watch Godzilla 2014. So, like, my, my thing is, like, it's Godzilla, you know, even if they're going to do a fresh take, like... You, you know what's going on. I didn't need to watch 2014 to go see Godzilla 2 today, I feel like. Mm. And, and you know, now that I watched 2014 yesterday, I still feel that way. I could have hmm. just come in today and it would have been I think you would totally have been a, existing little, a little less involved and a little less clued in on maybe some of the aspects that I, I at least appreciated, at least between 1 and 2. Um, but, so, uh, what, you know, what I was saying about... 14 that got me so excited in the first place is this movie here uh, that I have in my hand. Uh, it's called Monsters. It's directed by Gareth Edwards, okay. who is the person who directed Rogue One and okay. Godzilla 3D, uh, which is right in front of me, which is Godzilla 2014. Um, and this movie, I think, is an incredible movie. I don't know if I'd recommend it to you just because you're kind of, uh, you're aversion to just genre stuff in, in general. It? Um, I wouldn't say I have a, a, but a version. Eh, maybe. You definitely do. But this movie is um, made uh, on Gareth Edwards' laptop, essentially. He did all the VFX uh, by himself uh, over a period of a couple years. Um, it's about a couple of people who have to travel into a restricted zone of the United States, which has since been shut down due to an alien infestation of giant monsters. And what Gareth Edwards was able to achieve with this movie, Monsters, uh, I think is still incredible to this day. If you're interested in, um, you know, kaiju cinema at any level, if you're interested in low-budget sci-fi that is, uh, I wouldn't say on the level of, like, District 9, but the things that he achieved in camera uh, with special effects that he did himself were incredible. And And, uh, District 9, that's a... Yeah, I love District Nine. That's, Glad we agree on that. Yeah, that's a ten out of ten. You you just Absolutely. said you just said that, and I was like, I haven't thought about that movie. District in Nine that's, is just yeah. beautiful. Uh, yeah, that's incredible. There was um, like that was like a year where all sorts do, of movies like that came exactly. out. Exactly. Like, I want to like say Children of Men came say that out. This is like, like pretty close to the same period of time, and this was a period of time when it was like a genre resurgence of people that were telling good stories, um, but doing it with very little money. Um, so anybody out there who wants to see something really good, um, check out the movie Monsters. That's a high recommendation for me. And uh, so I was pretty excited about uh, Godzilla 2014 because of the prospects of Monsters. I thought that if Gareth Edwards could do what he did in this film with no money, it's going to be mind-blowing yeah, to see what he does. So between that and Brian Cranston... I was like the most onboard person ever. I mean, this book down here, which is the art of Godzilla 2014, like that's something I bought before the movie came out because I assumed this is the perfect combination of events for me. 
Um, I saw the trailer, which I don't know if you've ever seen the trailer to this movie, nope. but it features Brian Cranston's super emotional monologue that he has about his wife and blah, 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 over shots of mass destruction, no shots of Godzilla. Um, the imagery, if you strip away all the bullshit of Godzilla 2014 and think about some of the disaster imagery in it, that's the stuff that he was doing in here. But it had a social bend. It had a political bend. There was all these messages in the movie Monsters that kind of didn't make, you know, how could you bring really that many new ideas to the table? Um, and uh, I really was just so psyched for Godzilla 2014. I'm psyched to hear what you uh, thought about it because I have a feeling that it was Maybe not as positive experience for, <laughs> for you as it was for me. But um, let's get into it now. We're going to talk about ratings and thoughts on Gareth Edwards' Godzilla 2014. All right. What did you think, Dan? Um, so Godzilla 2014, on paper, you know, I know it was a hard sell to get me to watch it. But on paper, I could see my... I was, I was, I was ready to enjoy it, you know, peak Brian Cranston. And then I discovered that it stars my... Or I thought... Starting with my absolute favorite actress. Right. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to... Okay, go ahead. Uh, Juliette Binoche. Fantastic actress. Yeah, literally my favorite actress. And I was like, wow, all right, well, the emotional depth of this movie surely will be you enormous. Like, I got Cranston, I got Binoche, baby, yeah, yeah. let's what, go! What else could I need? I fucking yeah. got the lotion ready. I thought all these things, too. Yeah. The lotion was in my hand. And I, you know, I didn't love it. I'm... I'm oh, wait, you know what? Real quick, I wanted to do a little uh, addendum from last week. Okay. That I think I was a little unfair in my ratings. I actually rewatched. Uh, what movie did you give me? The Western? Ravenous? Yeah, I rewatched it. You rewatched yeah, it? Yeah, I threw it on while I was working. What? Um, and I think I was a little unfair. I gave it a 5.5. I gave it a 5.5. I, I think it should have been act. a 6.5. Okay. And I also feel that I was probably a little too excited about the cop murder in the other Boy, movie. Boy, you were very excited. So about I think that. that was probably unfairly an 8 also. That was probably more of a 7. I am fucking speechless right now because from my point of view, uh, you know, you expressed yourself and then I treated you like like a battered housewife and screamed <laughs> at you. But I mean, maybe, you know, deep within those screams uh, underneath the nasally cascade of my voice upon you, something struck you because I don't know why you would rewatch it, but that's good that you did. Really glad to hear that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I work from home a lot, so I throw things on in the background and sometimes I'm just like, you know. Why would I hate so much a movie that people seem to like so much? Yeah, I mean, people like, you know, like, again, I, I mentioned this last time, like, my friend Luffy Mann has a horror podcast where they went on about it for an hour. Yeah. I, mean, I, I I love that movie, but it's precious to me because I saw it when I was younger, so I can't judge it as well. So hearing you say that you didn't like it, it didn't affect me that much because I really, I mean, I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Hard, to, hard to knock. I didn't love it, but it was not a 5.5. Not at all. And when I was re-listening to the episode, I thought I had given it a 6.5, and then I heard myself say 5.5, and I was, like, I, was like, That's, I was like, that's a little harsh, when I just gave an 8 to fucking whatever we watched. That being what said, that movie called? Mr. Dan Enden. Oh, yeah. How many golden guns do you give Godzilla, Godzilla 2014? I, I don't, like, I don't know how to even rate movies like this, because they don't... They don't seem to be trying to like do anything artistic. Like, mm. okay. Like I don't know. I give I give it just like all right. So, and it, don't reveal your score about the one we saw today. Yeah, I mean, let's uh, not even go there at all. I, I'd give it like a five. Like a five. Okay. Like I, and I just I didn't feel anything towards it. I didn't feel any stakes. Right. Like I wasn't yeah. like toward at, when the end happened. Like I, I guess like what was happening on screen was epic, but I wasn't enthused about it or on the edge of my seat like i was sitting there like 
just hanging out watching this movie, just bored. As we both know. Oh, wait, wait. But Brian Cranston and Juliette Binoche both fucking yeah. die. Mm-hmm. Juliette Binoche <laughs> dies the first scene of yeah, the movie. Seconds in. And then Cranston <laughs> dies like 25 minutes in the movie, and all of a sudden it becomes about fucking the kid from Kick-Ass. Yeah. And that's a little bit of a bait and switch there, because yeah. they promoted the shit out of this movie like a, like a Cranston joint. They absolutely did. It, to a point where it was, it, when I saw it in theaters, I, my jaw hit the floor. Not only that, but when they kill Cranston in Godzilla 2014, spoiler alert, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, when they kill Cranston in that movie, it's like they, he gets in an accident on the bridge. And then there's another scene of him in the helicopter yeah. with his neck in a brace and blah, blah, blah. And when you show someone getting a catastrophic accident in a movie, and then the next scene you show them in a helicopter flying to safety, yeah. pretty much... That in and of itself is a confusing way to edit a death. Right. Because then Cranston kind of just closes his eyes and drifts off. And when I first saw 2014, I wasn't even sure he was dead. Yeah. Until a scene later when they said, we're so sorry for your loss. And I was like, no fucking way. That's literally what I was about to say. Is that like... Cranston never even sees Godzilla. He never even hears the name. Yeah. He never... Um, even gets... He gets as far as seeing the Mutos getting released and blah, blah, blah. And that's it. Yeah. And he doesn't even see that really happen um although one of the most glaring uh, on this rewatch of 2014 for me one of the most glaring ridiculous moments was you know cranston is this conspiracy theorist he's convinced that his wife has been killed by these monsters that are popping up and uh he gets arrested in the militarization zone um of the place that his wife died and they bring him in in this military truck and they don't want him to know what's going on and yet when they're pulling into this base he can see right out right. of a window of right. the truck this huge egg like being incubated with nuclear energy. Like he can see all of it. Yeah. And then the next scene is this powerful scene where he's like, I know what's in there. I know what you guys are hiding. But like, dude, you ju- yeah, of course you do. You just saw it two seconds ago yeah. looking out of the window. Yeah. I'm, I'm tired of talking to you about this. I want my son. I want to see my son. I want to know that he's all right. This guy, this guy knows. He knows where he is. I want my son, and I want my bag, and this is... And I want to talk to somebody in charge, not you. No, not you. I'm not done talking to you. All right? Well, you're looking at me right now like I'm in a fish tank, right? That's fine, because I know what happened here. And you keep telling everybody that this place is a death zone, but it's not. You're lying, because what's really happening is that you're hiding something out there. I'm right, aren't I? My wife died here. Something killed my wife. And I have a right to know. I deserve answers. Um. Here, let me let me say the things that I like about Godzilla 2014, and then we can talk about what I think really didn't work and what the public thinks didn't work. Because we live in a day and age where you can't just put a shit movie out and have no one talk about it. Like Godzilla, Roland Emmerich Godzilla, when they put that movie out, you didn't know that it was shit. There right. wasn't thousands of people telling you it was trash, telling you it was shit all the time. Um, you had to figure it out on your own. Yeah. Now these days, um, when they made Godzilla 2014, people complain. And we're going to go over uh, those complaints in reference to the movie to uh, the movie that we saw today because those complaints are basically as follows. One, that Godzilla was not in the movie 
nearly as much as he should have been. This is complaints about 2014. Yeah. I agree with that. That no, Godzilla no. was not in the movie as much as he should have been. That Brian Cranston died. That the human element of the film was the least interesting part, and that they cut away from the action a few too many times when they had set it up to be, um, uh, you know, a, a battle with monsters. My counter to that is something that I do like about Godzilla 2014, even though it is derivative. Um, it's very obvious to me and to a lot of critics at the time who had seen it and reviewed it and said kind of the same thing, that the thing that Gareth Edwards was trying to go for, besides the destruction imagery and shit like that with 2014, was a Spielbergian methodology to showing the monster, to introducing the concept. The movie starts exactly the same as Jurassic Park, with a helicopter flying in over an island to a dig site, right. where a bunch of people in suits walk through a dig site and talk about a prehistoric animal and blah, blah, blah. That is the exact opening of Jurassic yeah, Park. Yeah. The monorail set piece that's in Godzilla 2014, very reminiscent of Spielberg stuff. You have a kid that the uh, kick-ass guy has to protect. I think the, I said to you the family. The movie, I, I said, this. I feel like I'm just watching a list of tropes. Right. Well, a lot of those tropes, and here's what got me to like the movie a little bit, a lot of those tropes are cribbed from better movies that I love, from right. Amblin era, Spielberg. There's a lot of that in 2014 because they're trying to hide the monsters and only give you a little bit at a time. And I was one of the people that kind of appreciated that because... Like that close account encounters. Approach. Yeah, I, yeah. I've seen other movies where they do go pornographic with the level of showing the monsters. One of my favorite uh, movie series that brought me into this fold uh, is a Japanese series called Gamera which is about a giant turtle instead of a lizard who can turn into a UFO and fly through space. Long story short. Lit. It's all rated R. It's like really good trilogy of movies from the 90s. Um, and they showed the shit out of every monster and they did it all. And I just like, I've seen movies where they show it all and they do it all and it doesn't always work. And it was nice to see a filmmaker try to dial that back in a movie where every person is walking the door saying, I want to see Godzilla fuck shit up. Right. This guy was like, I'm going to make you work for it. I'm going to try to set up tense set pieces. I'm going to try to have Godzilla's intro be something hidden and special and interesting. And I think that some of those things land in 14. I think some of them don't because the problem, as you said, is that so many of the characters you don't care about. Right. The things that keep you in Jurassic Park are that you care about Jeff Goldblum, you care about Sam Neill, you care about Laura Dern, you care about the fucking grandkids. Right. If a movie makes you care about kids, right... Um, as actual characters, that's they're doing it right. right. That's the disaster movies that are doing it right. When there are movies uh, like The Meg that just came out that had a little girl in it, there are movies where I want the kid to die first. Jurassic yeah. World, uh, I would say the kids were so obnoxious, I wanted them to just die. But when a filmmaker understands the family dynamic, and this, this is even in the Godzilla movie we saw today, which had a lot to do with divorce and things like that, which are themes that constantly come up in Ambler, uh, Amblin era monster movies, E.T., um, Close Encounters. These are all movies about divorce, about the destruction of the nuclear family. I'd say 14 and the movie we saw today both try to ape that a yeah. little bit, but it's just not successful for all sorts of reasons. I um, mean, that's what I was talking about when I was saying that it's not like they were trying to be artistic with 2014, is that like there's all this backstory, which is all what all these bigger budget movies are trying to do currently. Like The Planet of the Apes is a great example, the first one in the new reboot or whatever. You don't see any apes do any shit to like the third act. Like it's, right. it's all about the human element, but they actually have the plot to back it up and like yeah. characters to back it up. Franco Whereas, almost lost me in the first. I feel one. that, but, but still, they, it was like they eradicated him it, very quickly. At the end of it, I was like, oh, I'm excited to see the next one to see what happens. It's not like yeah. I'm disappointed that there wasn't more destruction. Well, in those movies, they also made you care a lot about Caesar. Yeah. Um, whereas 
they're trying to get you to be sympathetic with Godzilla, and I think it worked a little bit better in this one than the last one. I actually thought that the twist at the end of the last one where he kind of wakes up at the end of the movie and it's like yeah. all the news. They cut to a clip in 2014 Godzilla at the end of a newscast that says, um, Godzilla, hero, or blah, blah, blah. Like, Godzilla just leveled San Francisco right. fighting the Mutos. Right. There's no world in which people would instantly go, is he a hero? Yeah. You but don't the, but see those is, things as that. The thing is, the initial plot, all the backstory for the human characters, they were trying to make you care the same way, and if you did care the same way, then you wouldn't yeah. mind that there's not so much Godzilla. And I was caring about... Uh, Julia Pinocchio's Pinoche. character yeah. and Cranston and then like when she dies in the first scene it's a really fucking like heart-wrenching death scene yes, yeah. and then I was like alright if this movie continues to be about first Cranston first 20 minutes yeah. of Godzilla 2014 had me by but, the angle but the kid who plays his kid in the initial timeline is no, not a good actor he's got no good child actor and, and then it flashes forward after Cranston dies and it's the kid you don't care about, you didn't really have much exposure to, so you don't care what happens to him as a future in the future. You just spent the entire first 30 minutes of the movie falling in love with Benoche and fucking Cranston. Right. And then and they kill them both off, and now it's about their kid way in the future, and he's all like, uh, oh, movies are kind of weird. Like. And so many times, uh, like, well, like all of our episodes where we talk about, you know, is this movie redeemable? Is this movie, could it have worked if given a, a different formula? Um, you know, for me, we've only really watched one movie that I considered irredeemable. I mean, James Bond is mental, but um, like like Book of Henry, that that one for me was like nothing worked type of scenario. This isn't one of those cases for me. I think that if Cranston would have survived and been the focal point of the movie with Ken Watanabe, who's I think a pretty decent actor yeah. and who has a lot of respect behind him, if they would have been kind of the two brains going back and forth about what to do with Godzilla, I mean, there's no reason. That Cranston couldn't have been with Watanabe's character the entire rest right. of 14. And no it, reason. And then it could continue to be about the developing relationship between him and his kid. Because oh. before he dies, you see that the kid thinks he's just a crazy conspiracy theorist. Right. Their relationship is tattered. There was if, so if, much there they could have worked If they could have stayed together oh my God. throughout the entire yeah. movie to watch the kid come around yes. to his dad's crazy ideas. Instead, they forced that all into one scene. When Instead, the kid's like, I yeah. don't believe a word of what you're believing. And mm. he's like, all right, let's go to this site. Next shot, they're at the site. The kid's like, oh, yeah, guess you're was, right. They show him like... And we are going to get into PowerPoint presentations, my yeah. friend. But they show him in Godzilla 2014, right when his dad dies, they show him this PowerPoint presentation that's like, here's what your dad was working on his whole life. Here's what he died fighting for. It's all real. Right. And to rob the audience of the ability to watch Cranston yeah. see that PowerPoint presentation, right. it's insane. And the thing that I think happened, this is my, my secret theory about Godzilla 2014, is they started developing the movie before Cranston was on fire. And at that point, he was just the dad character. He right. was just the guy that kind of dies halfway through that maybe gives our hero some more motivation. Right. And I think they filmed the fucking thing and they put it and they pressed it and then they realized Brian Cranston's now the biggest actor in the world. Yeah. So we're going to gear the marketing towards him, but the movie wasn't built around him. Right. I mean, but the, the thing about that is the reason that you think it is is because Cranston is such a better actor than his son in this movie. Yeah. Um, he just chews. He chews the entire movie. Yeah. The whole movie, you're sitting there like, man, what what would have Cranston's character thought of what is going and, on? Here? And it really reveals how poor the dialogue is, because like in the one we just watched, the dialogue was so fucking abysmal that you can really tell. Whereas in that one, Cranston, you know, he does his thing, he yeah. makes it work. So then, in contrast, when he's out of the movie. Like, you'll see scenes yeah. where he's just, like, so believable, yes. and then people respond, and it's not believable at all, yeah. and you realize that he's his, the only really his, person doing work his, there. Yeah, his dialogue is just as bad, but he just finds a way to pull it off. His use of pauses and, like, he's his, great. 
His they have him in like a weird crazy. wig. It looks like he's like he's totally not in his element. I don't think he's ever done anything like this. Yeah. But he delivers some powerful stuff, and the trailer was anchored on it. I thought the film was going to be anchored on it, but I walked away from Godzilla fourteen mixed experience. Um, the way that I look at ratings, really, for movies lately, especially with the like the blog that I've been doing, is that to me seven is the magic number. When you hit seven, that's like like things were good things were went right there were elements that worked there were definitely elements that didn't work but on the overall it feels good yeah. and then i keep rating things a 6.9 which to me is like like you had a shot at something you did not figure it yeah. out you couldn't crest even a decent level with this and godzilla 2014 for me is somewhere in in that zone somewhere i would say at the time when i saw it i probably would have given it a seven seven and a half and I think now on rewatch, it's hard for me to go below a 7.4 because I do like so many elements of it. I love the design elements. I love some of the performances. I do like some of the set pieces. So I'm, I'm going to begrudgingly, and especially with what's coming up, I'm going to begrudgingly give Godzilla 2014 a 7 out of 10. Um, it's just a movie that is like a guilty pleasure for me. I like the things that were done um, from an artistic point of view. I think that any director could have come in and made a movie where monsters were destroying everything. They kind of made me interested and, and made me care a little bit of it. And it took itself seriously, which the movie we saw today did not. That's I, true. I don't think at any level. Um, and, and Godzilla 2014 was an earnest try uh, during a period of time when reboots and reimaginings and Star Trek and Batman Begins and you know things like that were crushing uh, IPs everywhere. And I think they tried to jump on that board and they almost stuck the landing. And the thing that was tragic for me was that, um, yeah, this director went from a movie I loved in Monsters to making a movie where they gave him the keys to the kingdom and he kind of dropped it. It reminded me a little bit of Force Awakens. Like, J.J. made a Star Trek movie that felt like Star Wars and they said, that felt like Star Wars. Here's a Star Wars movie. Man. And then I didn't like what he put out. Right. And this was the same feeling where I was like, this makes total perfect sense. This is a director that basically made a, a low-budget monster movie that was more effective than anything made in the past 20 years. And uh, I just don't, I don't know what happened. Studio notes, interference, yeah. Cranston schedule, God knows what the, the final contributing factors were. But I can say one thing. Much like Pacific Rim, I'm glad that it got a sequel. It was a movie that I did not think was going to get a sequel. And I love bad sequels. I love just like trash continuations. There is a line for me. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you saw Independence Day 2. No. That was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, or like... My, my my reference for that is like uh, All Saints Day. Uh, oh God, Boondock Saints. I keep trying to erase that. Or yeah. what was the sequel to Once Upon a Time in Mexico? They did. Uh, oh, that was a little better than All Saints Day. Once Upon a Time with in Mexico. Johnny Depp. Um, no, Once Upon a Time in Mexico was that the was the movie. That was That's the, the sequel. To the Desperado. original one's Desperado. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's another one. There's one in between. <sighs> El Mariachi. So with this all being said, Dan gave uh, Godzilla what a five. Yeah, and it's like, my, what I don't, what I can't for the life of me figure out is, you know, maybe your theory holds true. Like, my first thought is, how did Cranston agree to this movie? But, like, you know, when they were started production, I'm sure he wasn't the biggest star in the world. But how the fuck did they get Juliette Binoche in this movie to, for one scene? She's, like, the mo one of the most I, worldwide respected actresses of her craft. Again, I think the pitch of this movie is very strong. And before you ever saw it, if someone came up to you and said... You're Juliette Binoche. You've never been in a huge bajillion dollar blockbuster. 
do you want to be in one that has Brian Cranston and a hot upcoming director? Maybe she watched Monsters and said that there's real material that can be done here. Because Monsters is more of a drama than it is a monster. It's a 3% of it is a monster movie. But that 3% is so strong and emotional and effective that kind of blankets everything else. And that's what I think Godzilla 2014 wanted to do. Have some great performances, tell a good human story. But I think somewhere along the way... I just, that's not what people want from Godzilla. Right. That's the other problem. Is what? But what do Godzilla fans want? Because if you're someone that's watched the 35 films that came before this and all the Toho ones, a lot of those fans, all they want are monsters killing each other. Yeah. Right? And we saw a movie today where that was the case for some For part, the third for, act. For the third act. Um, but, um, you know, I, I guess as a final note, let's just bring up the things that we're going to now uh, kind of come around to when we review the one that we just saw. People complain there wasn't enough Godzilla. People complain that the performances were good, but they killed all the wrong characters, and then the human story wasn't that interesting. And uh, it was kind of left hanging where the MonsterVerse was going to go from there. Um, the next film in the MonsterVerse after Godzilla 2014 was Kong Skull Island, which I can't fully recommend to you either. I think it, you would enjoy it more than Godzilla 14. It's kind of a fun Vietnam apocalypse now. Okay. God, uh, King Kong movie um, but it's also prey to trope on trope on trope on you know set piece it's kind of the same thing uh, I would say that I enjoyed that one like maybe slightly more than Godzilla 2014 it had tons of monsters in it because the reaction was so negative about the lack of Godzilla I mean if you go on the internet they have compilations all Godzilla scenes uh, from Godzilla 2014 it's four and a half minutes long yeah and the same can be said about Jurassic Park, but that was a fucking Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah. Uh, and this was not. Yeah. But I like that <laughs> yeah. it tried to be. I like that it had some kind of angle to it. Um, and it created a universe where this monarch organization is, you know, monitoring the monsters. And I like kind of like all those geeky ideas. And I wanted to see where I was going to go in this one. And today, you and I went to the King of Prussia movie theater uh, in a 40X cinema, and we found out. Yeah. And we're going to get to that right now. Today we went on uh, the movie Blues podcast, first field trip, away game yeah. in, in the sports world, um, and we went to a fancy movie theater where they have a new uh, way to see movies called 4DX, yeah. um, which... I had never heard of until you said we were going to it. Yes. <laughs> so clearly they're doing a good job Clearly the marketing it. is reaching everyone. Um, but basically it's um, a standard size movie theater screen, not too much bigger than a normal one, but... The draw is that the seats shake, and there are special effects in the theater, such as wind, fog, rain, snow, apparently. It's but supposed we to saw be a, a full 4D experience. We already had, it's the latest in a long line of gimmicks that people have been trying to make to make people start going to the movies again. It's got all the Ds. This podcast yeah. has two Ds. Yeah. This fucking movie this had fucking four, four Ds. Four Ds, man. Um, and uh, let's just go through a couple elements of... What we thought about this experience, um, starting with the seats, yeah. um, which were kind of like roller coaster-ish. Yeah. 
type seats. Um, it's like if you go to an arcade and they have the big that big car that you go inside of for like three D virtual reality experiences. They would have it at like uh, Liberty Science Center right. or Franklin Institute yes. when you were a kid, like that like prototype three D stuff. Definitely a lesser experience than anything you'd see at like um, you know obviously Disney World or Universal Studios or anything like that. There's less motion. There's Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But you're in a because movie you're theater. Because you're in a movie theater. You're in a movie theater. <laughs> I think so it's, it's pretty impressive. I, what I didn't they, walk what in they, with, like, the biggest they, expectations. I thought I was going to hate it, it, actually. It was... It did way more than I thought it was going to do. Let me say what I think it did way more than I expected, okay? This was the thing that I think worked most effectively for me. Um, the seats rumbling wasn't just a normal rumble. Um, it was very close to what you find on video game controllers uh imagine when you're playing a video game and you open a door and you get that slight buzz or you drop something and you get that slight buzz or you're reloading your gun and you feel that click that was built in uh with really good sensitivity into the seats um such that mostly every physical action in the movie was represented with a light buzz um and that escalated to such as like when king Ghidorah was like biting uh, with its three heads biting Godzilla, each head that bit clamped me in the back. Right. Um, so it had interesting kind there, of like massage chair clamps to it. Mothra sticks like a like a, a needle yeah, pincer. Yeah, Mothra th- was th- dropping th- the pincers through it, and like right as it went through the monster's back, you got like a little stab in your back, yeah, which was yeah. I don't know. I, I I was not I wasn't expecting that. I wouldn't say I enjoyed being stabbed in the back. <laughs> of the movie, but I I, cause I I thought the I thought the kids behind me were kicking my seat the whole time. Uh no, that and was I was Mothra. like, oh no, I paid for this. That was Mothra's pinchers <laughs> yeah. at at eleven in the morning. Yeah, Mothra's pinchers flying into yeah. your body. Um, I felt like uh, the the vibration was very accurate. Although sometimes it was during things that I absolutely could not believe. Yeah. The funniest <laughs> example. I have two examples that I I remembered off the top of my head that I thought were so funny in terms of the seats vibrating. Very early on in the film, um, Millie brought Bobby Brown was making breakfast in her kitchen and toaster popped out of her, you know, you know, the, the toaster ovens, you press the button down, they pop up. And when the toast popped yeah. up, the seats rumbled. <laughs> yeah. And I then I'm imagining some Japanese engineer who is working on basically setting where all these things are going to be. Right. And he's like, oh, the, the toast, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Let's write yeah. that in. What was the joke about the toast? It was the stupid... Oh, so um, I just want to mention, Millie Bobby Brown is making breakfast for her mom, who's like this shadowy government figure. They're working on like monster stuff. And... Um, her mom's played by the woman from The Depadded. Yeah, the woman from The Depadded in Bates Motel. Um, and uh, Vera Farmiga, that actress, she walks in the room and, and Millie Bobby is looking at something she doesn't want her mom to see. And her mom goes, what are you working on? And her her... Made up excuse of what she's looking, looking at. at she goes, recipes. I'm looking at recipes, and her mom just goes for toast. Yeah, it was funny, and, and then not on purpose funny, but like yeah. I was laughing at the movie. Yeah, like, what? you would ever you, see you, that? You were like cackling at that part. I cackled a lot actually through this movie. I yeah. laughed a lot through yeah. this movie. Um, I, at at one point we'll talk about. Un- I was uncontrollably laughing. Um, but uh, yeah, I the, I felt like the seats vibration and and if you can imagine kind of like if you ever saw like Star Wars 3D or Bugs Life 3D any of those movies uh, at Disney World the whole row that you're in moves and yeah. shifts it's not it that, doesn't just vibrate it's it, not just it, vibrate it lifts it, it lifts it, yeah. it lifts you backwards so you're like your Even, back is towards the ground a little bit like it anytime a monster a would stand up and the camera would pan yeah. It would pan the seat with you at the same time, right. which was very specific and sometimes really, well, I thought, enhanced things. And, yeah. 
and, and was interesting. And throughout the experience, um, I was thinking that, you know, for the right movie, this would be really cool. Um, if I was watching a movie that I enjoyed a little yeah. more. <laughs> here's, here's the problem, though, with the whole general concept is that everyone's biggest complaint about the 3D, aside from... My big, well, my biggest complaint is that it leads to directors setting up shots with lots of long hallways that have no business in the movie just to make 3D depth effects. But either way, people are always like, oh, the 3D glasses give me a headache. You hear that constantly. So now you have... Back and forth. At the, at the climax of this movie, our seats were launching yeah. us. Like, yeah, so that's like, what I was they're, like. They're these, I like, was geeking out. There are these little footrests that like, I put my feet off of them because I wanted to stretch <laughs> my legs, and I almost slid off the fucking seat. Because it was launching us around so hard, and I was like, "What?" I had a headache within thirty seconds of this movie, and proceeded for the entire movie. Because the first half, there's nothing happening. Like you know, if you're in a battle scene, it's okay if your seat's yeah. launching around. Yeah. But shit like the toast going off and my seat vibrating, and just like uh, the slight vibrations were the ones that get you. Because like it's already you have to focus so hard through the goddamn three D glasses right. to like make shit not look weird. And then it's just like did it did it did it. Did it toast? Did it? And I'm just like, fuck. I had a. I was like, I'm gonna leave. I said, I turned you at one point. I was like, I might go throw up. Yeah, you said. If you, if you I have was not too sickness. bothered by it actually. And and beyond that, um, usually I'm very bothered by the 3D theater experience. I thought today was very good projection. I thought that the movie looked fantastic in 3D. At yeah. Points at points there were fantastic. I shots. mean, I don't think the 4DX thing would have the same effect without the 3D glasses. There's well, there was a moment yeah. where they're they're looking. It was showing us from. Uh, what was the the Monster Zero? Yeah. It was showing us a top down from Monster Zero's point of view looking down into yeah. a cavern and our seats like tilted forward. Yes. I, yeah, and then with all cool. the depth of it, it was I like I had I felt the like the feeling of my balls for a second, like you're like falling. I was yeah. like, oh I was like, oh that's pretty fucking. Yeah, they that's had me cool. they had me a few times. Um and uh Certain things I thought were more effective than others. Um, when guns were firing, they would shoot wind behind your yeah, ears. Yeah, like little fucking which cannons. I thought was not as effective as if they would have just flashed in the theater more. I yeah. wanted them to flash more. Yeah. Because every time they flashed... Yeah, there's lightning effects in the theater yeah, as when, well. When the flashes went off, I thought it was great. Yeah, same. I like that And I thought that there wasn't enough. And I thought that the guns, more than anything, would have had flashes. Right. And the fact that they didn't was kind of weird. I mean... As missiles, I understand the air behind your ear. Yeah. But guns, that's not what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of a flash, and yeah. I, it would have worked. I, I would have. I thought before coming in that it was going to ruin the 3D effect. I thought that it was going to ruin my enjoyment of the movie and my ability to kind of follow it and, and be sane about it. But I, I thought it was actually a tasteful experience. Yeah. I thought the 4DX was something I would do again. I would, you know, with you know, with my wife or something, if we want to see some stupid movie or. Something to that, you know, something I don't... Today was perfect because I wanted to see something that I wasn't so invested in. Right. You know, I wouldn't go see, like, whatever, insert franchise I'm actually obsessed with. Um, but... Like, I would want to see Saving Private Ryan like that. Oof. <laughs> that movie makes me pretty sick enough. Like, I'd want to see Rogue One like that. Yeah, I would see, like, Rogue, that. Star Wars would be sick. I thought of something that. while we are in the theater that I thought it would be perfect for, and I can't remember. I can't wait for it okay. to come to you. Oh, yeah, it'll come to me, like... By the time we're recording the next podcast. <laughs> yeah, you just let me know. Um, so, yeah, I think the 40X, I would give, like, as an experience, like, probably 7 out of 10. You're I think there's some things that could... already. We didn't even dis- discuss the weather. Well, yeah, I th- it wasn't very strong. I mean, there was lots 
of rain yeah. and water. This is, and I feel misters. like this is the most interesting part about it. That, I like, didn't like it because it smelled weird. Yeah, no, it's weird. I'm, but like people should know that if you go to see a 40 oh, you're going to get sprayed. rained on. Yeah, rain, rained, rained in your face and misted like, hard. The, and like they do, it's pretty cool what they did, I felt, with the rain with the wind effects. So when they were battling over the ocean, every time they, yeah. like Godzilla would crash yeah. into the ground, our whole sea would move. You'd just get sprayed. And you'd get, instead of like when it was like a scene where it's just light rain, you would get like a drizzle. But this, you would get like sprayed in the fucking face. Yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty intense. You get pretty wet. Um, and but it's like fake water or something because it dried yeah. on my skin instantly. It was, it was definitely like treated. And it didn't like, get on my glasses. Or it was very weird. It got on my glasses. My glasses. I had to wipe them off. Huh? Yeah. It, I kind of. You got were wearing the, the big brim over your hat. Yeah, maybe that helped. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, some of the things were more effective than others. Uh, in the movie, I thought the sound in the theater was incredible. I thought it was too low. Really? Because I, I, I could, really I could basically like whisper and talk to you. When the action no, kicked in, you it was couldn't. very You loud. were not whispering at all. You yeah. kept leaning over and saying shit to me, and like the people too, I stopped caring. Too down for me. Kept looking over. I was like, yeah, you're I, like yelling at my ears. I didn't care anymore. <laughs> at whatever point I started talking to you, there was a couple times where I was speaking in full volume because I did not care. <laughs> I was like, I don't care what the people around me think. I mean, I was at that you're point. You're like, what kind of quality of person comes to see Godzilla at 10 o'clock at yeah, the Sunday? Like, Fuck these losers. <laughs> <laughs> that is a quote. Um, um, yeah, I was saying things like that. I had also just laughed for like five minutes straight at one point in the movie. It really loosened me up. I yeah. felt very tense up until the point at which I started cracking up. Um, yeah, it had nothing to do with the pen. Uh, it had nothing to do with it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, on the whole, I'll do the 4DX thing again. I'm not like running out my door. It didn't change my life or anything. But it's a nice enhancement to the movie going experience. Only if you're seeing something... That is true popcorn crap. I right. mean, don't don't go uh, and see the pianist on Forty <laughs> X. Definitely sit that one out. Um, don't go see the Forty X Schindler's List. I would not see that either. What would be some of the effects in the I don't audition? Go I don't want to go into it. Um, the last Let, part let's of talk the about movies movies that would be made worse with the Forty X experience. Uh, human like, centipede, like the Royal Tenenbaums. The Royal Tenenbaums, yeah, when Richie slashes his wrist, blood shoots all over you. <laughs> it's uh, like, but, but, so it's cool. Well, it, the last thing. I, I, I liked it more than I thought I would. The last thing that I think I was picking up on, maybe more than you, but uh, that may have been the case of you just being, looking like you were in comatose throughout <laughs> the entire movie, but did you pick up on the smells that they were pumping into the theater? I, um, because I did many times. I had a moment where... I have a very sensitive schnoz. I had a moment where I was thinking there was smells, but I was thinking it was just in my head. No, it was not in your head. So here are a couple things that uh, they pumped in. So anytime there is a forest or a jungle or any kind of tree-related jungle zone, they would pump in what smelled essentially like evergreen car freshener. Right. It smelled like, um, like, like pine, which was inappropriate because... Most of the things in this movie were like, it's like the South Panamanian African jungle. Yeah. yeah, it made no sense. So they would pump that in. Um, every ocean scene, they pumped in certain smells, like a sea foamy type of like saltwater taffy smell. Okay, um, that's cool. I'm trying to think, there was a couple a little more. aromatherapy. Um, my fa- okay, my favorite thing about the 40x is that they added it onto one of my favorite things at the movies, which is the roller coaster scene. Yeah, uh, yeah. At the beginning of every movie since the early 90s, they've had a CGI roller coaster at where there's popcorn blowing in your face and at Regal Theaters yeah. I grew up with it it's changed animations now 30 or 40 times yeah. they updated it a thousand times over 
40x version man yeah we went up the roller coaster and the fucking seats tilted yeah. up and i had a huge boner i know dude i was stroking I, it you, I, I thought all, it. i thought all the trailers were about to be in 40x experience oh. and I was like, yeah they did a demo i did not i didn't like this but they did a demo test that ran almost all the special effects yeah before the movie started to say this is the 40x experience right. but i think that ruined the surprise of quite a few things yeah um i didn't want to know the full breadth of the theater's capabilities right. until Godzilla yeah. was fucking jerking off right in my face and there's blue fucking splooge blowing through my hair and like I, I, didn't, I didn't want to know that ahead of time most at all. of the movie I was like this is cool but it's definitely like the next the natural progression in a line, long line of movie gimmicks then in yeah. in the climax scene when like shit was popping off, Dude. I was like, "This fucking rules!" Yeah, like, when things so, finally, so I wish that had been the surprise for me. Like they hadn't done yeah. the test in the beginning because if were, I didn't know yeah. that shit could have popped off like that, I would have been like, I was like holding on to my seat. It and was shit. Awesome. Like, yeah, I felt like I was gonna fly like, into the screen. The they dudes. They're in a submarine at one point that fucking launches out of the water and then lands back in the water. And when it lands in the water, you get fucking like the thing tilts. You fucking get sprayed in the face. And I was like, man, I'm like not. Like proud of myself for how much I'm enjoying this hokey shit, but this I thought it was great too. By the end, I mean, I was having a blast. I, you know, the monsters are fighting on screen. I'm like laughing and like being thrown around in my seat. If you had a a tub of popcorn in your lap, like when I go to the movies, I have like all these fucking objects that that trouble me and they haunt me. I get my phone and my vape and like and and like all these things I find to be difficult to hold on to when it's just me and my wife who has a purse for me. So this movie, I was like collecting my goods, <laughs> like 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 you saw me at the beginning. I was trying to like stuff things under my chair. You're like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm like burrowing right now. I'm trying to make sure my <laughs> snacks are not going to get like trampled by a chair mechanism. Yeah. And 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 that reminds me too. When they first fired it off, I was like reaching under my seat. Oh, like shit. like I could have been caught in the fucking gears of that. I don't want to be like a hypochondriac, but like it, they didn't say. Here's the thing. This is what's funny. When they tell you to put the 3D glasses on, this thing comes across the screen since since the 80s. It says, just so you know, it's 3D glasses time. Put your glasses on for the full experience. Do not, blah, 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 you know. And they, they psych you up for it. Yeah. They, they warn you. They're like, it is time to put your glasses yeah. on. The seats, all of a sudden, they started moving with no warning. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wait, what? We're doing this now? Like, I could have been like halfway out of yeah. my seat. I could have been... Sitting down, like, handing my family, uh, you know, fucking tub of popcorn. Like, yeah. you'd have been rocked out of yeah. your seat instantly on the demo test. They don't want... It should have been, like, you know, 40X is about to commence. Yeah. 10. Now, even, dude, even IMAX movies, there's a countdown. Right, it's right. like, IMAX sound and visuals. I Get know. ready. It's loud. And, and like, 10, why, nine, was, why wasn't this in IMAX? Well, here's the thing about 40X. And, and I was thinking this originally. It was bothering me. But... 40X doesn't show an IMAX. They're two different things, and uh, I don't know the techniques behind it, but they should have done it. For, right. And the perfect movie-going experience would have been IMAX with 40X. That would have been unreal. Yeah. Um, as it stands, it was a standard screen. I love the 3D transfer. It looked really good up there today. I was I thought that my biggest problem was going to be they were going to be blowing fog into the fucking theater, yeah. and I couldn't see anything with the glasses, and... I didn't have any of those problems. No. I could see great. I personally didn't have any motion sickness or any problem. I enjoyed being rocked around. Um, earlier in the movie when the toaster went off, I was like, I'm going to hate this. Yeah. This is going to be so and stupid. I think one of the things that I guess was engaging but I could have done without is like, so there's all these mist machines on the side to like do the rain effects. Yeah. Every now and then there'd be like a spray where it's actually you just, I didn't realize because it didn't happen until like midway through the movie, but there's a jet on the back of the seat in front of you. 
where all of a sudden you get fucking yeah just from he- like from front. dead on like phasing forward just sprayed in the face with a jet yes I mean very and like you see the, the mist coming and you're like what the fuck did I just get <laughs> shot like and the the thing that surprised me the most were the shoots on the back of my legs yeah that oh, was yeah, uncomfortable that, those I, were I, weird I, they I, felt sharp I like that that was, that was I thought it was. You know, I feel like the whole experience kind of interfered with me masturbating during it, yeah. like as a visual over. Julie at the nose. Yeah, like I had a lot of trouble. I don't know that I'm my, my shit during yeah. it. I don't know that I'm clamoring to ever do it again, but not clamoring by any means. But it was but a fun, fun way to spend. It was, it was way better than I thought it was going to be. When you told I think me, so when too. I looked it up, no, I was I like, this sounds so. I thought stupid. it was going to be mostly terrible. I thought it was going to be like, literally, like. The most generic water effects. I thought today I was going to enjoy the movie and dislike the theater, and I'm going to say that it was probably the other way around. So what do you give, how many Golden Guns do you give 4DX? Like, like a 7 out of 10. Yeah. And I think that if somehow the theater industry survives, which I don't think is going to happen, but I think that if somehow the theater industry, mainstream theater industry, survives on... That that technology in utilization with 3D, in utilization with IMAX print, could be something truly special. I just don't see how this experience could pay itself off. Like it had to have been so expensive yeah, they to, have to use to all produce these, this, and yeah. like they have, they like all the chemicals and fucking everything. Like it seems so expensive to run. And it was it was an expensive movie ticket, but, but like but you're talking I'm talking about, about like the infrastructure to like install. But you're talking about a place that theater. charges eight seventy five for a bottle of water. So, yeah, like, yeah, but do the, they have any overhead? Maybe. I mean, they're fail- they're, the industry is still dying yeah, as it yeah, is. Like, is any are like people going to see movies that they weren't going to see previously because 40x is a thing? Like, no, but maybe if you want to bring your kid, yeah. you're too cheap to go to Six Flags. Like, look, bottom line is, I'm glad they did it. I'm yeah. glad we got to see it because I don't know if we'll do it again. But and, and you because know, you it might it they, might not exist six yeah, months from now. Yeah, they I mean, go bankrupt. I was a huge fan of 3D. I own a 3D TV. I own probably 30 or 40 3D movies, including Godzilla 2014, right in front of us, and. Um, I knew that that was going to die from day one, even from, you know, Avatar. It was exciting, but it just didn't seem... They are developing right now in Japan, prototypes exist, of theaters that have 3D with no glasses. That is the future of the format in terms of the blockbuster. Right. There is going to be a period of time when I would hope you would go into a movie theater and instead of a screen that you're going in and looking at, you're looking at a shallow box that goes maybe 10 feet back where they project yeah, yeah. Uh, with lasers, yeah, with, like with holograms. holograms, with any, anything you can imagine, yeah. plus the 4DX. All of these things combined you know, are going to create a theater experience unlike anything we've ever seen. And if the movie theater industry fails, which God knows it might, I pray it doesn't, but God knows it may fail, there's always places like Universal Studios, which I went to this past year, and I saw innovations in 3D and theater technology in that theme park that absolutely expanded the limits of what I thought was possible with media. I mean, the the Harry Potter ride, the Transformers ride, had visuals and experiences in the way the seats worked that made what we saw today seem literally like a prototype uh, at 20 years ago. Really? And and I, the la- when I was breaking out laughing in Godzilla today, it's when the seat was going at the most and everything was working at the most – those rides at Universal are firing on that level times a thousand yeah, at all times. All the time. There was a Fast and Furious ride I went on at Universal, which I hate. I don't. I didn't want to do that. Whatever. I got dragged onto it, 
And it, the effects and the holograms in it and the way that they presented it, I was crying with laughter. Crying. Yeah. Just tears blowing out of my face. <laughs> and I've heard reports. I want to try to see it for myself. I've heard reports that the Avatar ride currently in Disney World is the most involved 3D cinematic theme park experience to ever exist. And after seeing what I saw at Universal, I can't even imagine it could be better. But from what I've read, that's the pinnacle on planet okay. Earth. Kevin Smith went to Disney and did a whole video about this Avatar ride where he said it was the greatest theme park ride of all time, which I've heard many people say. So, like, it was cool to see pieces of technology that are above a movie theater be at a movie theater. Both you and I were, like, looking at all the stuff and the gear, and it was, like, fun to check out. And, like, it was an interesting experiment. I want to say it's, like, as failed as I thought. I thought it was going to be really bad. Yeah. Um, But I mean, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I also owned a 3D TV, so I'm not, like... Did you? Yeah. Did you... On 3D movies? Yeah. I I, um, I liked it for the nature documentaries a lot. The 3D yeah. nature documentaries were super You ever get, like, the IMAX documentaries? They're unbelievable yeah, yeah, yeah. 3D. Those I had, like, like, do you have, like, the active 3D with the button on the glasses? Yeah. yeah that's yeah. what I had. Yeah. And you know what movie I think worked I've... great for 3D? What? And benefited from it highly was Jackass 3D. I've never seen that one on a home setup. I saw that in theaters. Yeah, already. it's the same in the home setup. It's and just, it fucking, it's, I, it's, I need to ever dude, see those images again. When he again. gets hit in the nuts, you see like just like the depth of his nuts shake with fucking <laughs> impact. It's so good. Um, so, yeah. Cool experience. Glad we did yeah. it. Um, I don't think 11 in the morning was maybe the best time to do it. But um, God knows we experienced something truly uh, unique that, you know, a lot of people... Who live in the middle of nowhere and have shit movie theaters and yeah. never ever see anything like that. If I had, if I was still in Ithaca, I doubt I would see anything yeah. like that ever. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that being in a metropolitan area really pays off. Yeah. So really glad that we checked that out. Yeah. Um, no, I'll say it's fine. Well, that lack of thought and your sudden confusion is probably because you're about to start talking about Godzilla too. Oh, uh, pretty. We still have to talk about. That. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. You almost forgot. Yeah. No, right. I didn't forget. I thought that maybe like we touched we touched upon it enough. Oh, you felt like we touched upon it enough. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll skip it then, right? Just no. kidding. Here comes our <laughs> review of Godzilla Two: uh, King of All Monsters. I want to say Attack of the Monsters. Uh, Should have been Attack of the Monsters. Mr. Well, no. It was Godzilla. Godzilla Two. Proprietor of the monsters. Still no Cranston. <laughs> it was uh, Godzilla Two. Moth Boogaloo. Yeah. Alright. Okay. It was fine. Alright, and that'll be fun. the podcast for the and, uh, <laughs> now our uh, French cinema podcast starting out with Federico Fellini, who's Italian. <laughs> I'm falling on my own sword. Okay, folks, so final segment of the day. Dan's have just saw. <laughs> um, Dan's have just saw Godzilla 2. Um, let's Rise start. Rise of the Machine. Rise of the Machine. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, man. Um, okay, we, so. We, we didn't touch about any of the trailers that we saw either. Oh, man. 
but that's fine. Let's move on. Well, yeah, we'll move on. I mean, <laughs> they we, did two trailers. Why don't we talk about those on the next one? Because it's about new movies. Yeah, that's that'll fine. give us something right. to talk about. Not that we're filming two in one day. I mean, no. we would never do that. No. We have a studio that is dedicated. That I mean, we quit our day jobs. Yeah. This is it for no, us. No, we do it live in real time. Yeah, there's no reason that we would ever do two in a day. <clears throat> But we'll save that for another day. Maybe it'll come up next week. Yeah. I don't know. If you notice a, a steep drop-off in quality and enthusiasm to next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> if we sound really tired um, and like we ate too much pizza. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, let's start with uh, what we liked. Let's try to be positive first because um, that's just, you know, what my wife would want me to probably do in this situation. But um, what uh, can we say that is good about uh, this movie? Dan, do you want to start off? What can we say that was good about it? Yeah. Um, the third act was fucking epic. The Agreed. Mo- once there finally were monster fights, they were awesome. The CGI was great. Agreed. Towards the end, I thought there was some pretty weak CGI towards the beginning. Yes. Um, particularly water effects, which have mm. been... I thought those like, were great. Like, there was a very early scene where streets fill with water. Yeah. That I, my first thought was like, man, I miss movies like The Perfect Storm that had wa- like actual... Or like Titanic where they use bothered to use any water instead of just trying to just animate like digital water a ton of and like if water is always so tricky to get right. like if you're gonna have an entire scene that is just a shot of water like moving mm-hmm. it, it, it didn't work for me but that's nitpicking i thought the okay as a whole i thought the cgi was great okay um i thought the only positives here we're doing only yeah, positives there were i thought uh no juliette Pinoche, that was the last one hmm who it's fine. I don't have anything terrible to say about any of the performances. Then don't. Yeah. Like, they were fine. Yeah, they were, I would agree they were, they were fine. They were fine. No um, one no one is effective as Cranston's really, 20 minutes in the first one. I, I really liked um, some of the backstory they were getting into, a little bit of the social commentary about human overpopulation. There was, like, a subplot that yeah, I thought was very, is, that yeah. was very obvious, but at least, like, you know, they tried to address... I like that they tried to present what how like the media would actually respond to like there being sudden outbreak of monsters taking sure. over the world and then fighting. Could have had more commentary. Just yeah. kind of like the last one, they they didn't fully commit to anything. No, it was one, it was uh, ethos. A good it, premise, but sh- shallow commentary on it. What I think is missing about both this one and the last one is it's really not an allegory for anything. You're no, dealing with like no. world power. You're dealing with nuclear power. You're dealing with human tampering, but. Look at what Jurassic Park did with Ian Malcolm in six lines. Yeah, that this that two movies couldn't really achieve. Like, there's no commentary. Yeah, at least. I, I'd say I also enjoyed uh, Thomas Middleditch uh, <coughs> somehow managing to play a stupid character while being the same exact character he always is in everything else, where he's a really smart character. Middleditch, who is from Silicon Valley, uh, I found absolutely awful in this movie. I thought he was reprehensibly poor, which is shocking because I do like him. And the other actor, we should have looked his name up that we that we said that we liked. Um, oh, he's in uh, Cabin in I the remember. Woods. Bra- Bradley Whitford. Bradley Whitford Thank from, you. from um, uh, Get Out, and yes. most would know him from The West Wing. I typically love him. He absolutely fucking drove me insane in yeah. this movie. So, and then there was a point so I turned corny. to you where all of the cornball shit characters in this movie they had one. Uh, yeah. One one-liner after, after another. Yeah. I turned to you and was like, dude, that was three one-liners yeah. in a row from these characters. Yeah. Like, this... Okay, I'm not even gonna... Okay, let's stay positive. Stay yeah. positive. Is that it? Special effects? You thought you liked Middle Ditch? Um, I, I thought Middle Ditch... No, I mean, like, I didn't... In, like, 
it, it was another one of those characters that was just there for the sake of having characters and like getting Thomas Middleditch into the movie. Right. Like, yeah, this has felt like, uh, oh, who's hot right now? Right. To some degree. I mean, he's doing phone commercials. I don't know how fucking hot he is, but. I thought uh, Millie Bobby Brown was. Yeah, they picked her, obviously. Yeah, it was, who's hot right was, now again? was good as she would be expected to be. Yeah. Like, yeah, and she was um, good. they didn't give her they gave her they gave her a lot to chew on I, I guess she like, maybe had the most of anybody I really liked the uh, the, the set piece at, like Fenway Park like that all looked really good I'm a big baseball fan just, just like prepare yourself to do like some some Boston accent stuff yeah just, dude Boston got fucking fucked wicked hot in this movie yeah yeah Boston got fucking destroyed yeah, dude dude <laughs> Boston is fucked dude um I, I, I enjoyed it more than the Michael Rappaport's going to hate this movie. <laughs> Is he from Boston? He must be, right? No, I think he's from New York. Okay. Maybe he's All from right. Boston. Fair know. enough. Michael I could Rappaport. See either, yeah. could see either being true. Yeah. All I think he was on Boston was, Public, and that's he was what I'm on thinking Boston of. Because yeah. <laughs> I love that show. Yeah, that show is so fucking <laughs> so good. good. Yeah. Should we do a podcast about Boston about Public? About Boston Public. <laughs> Just all, every episode of Boston Public. <laughs> no, that's fine. Okay. I You're, think we're good without fine. it. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. I, I, I just, we'll circle back around. I, I liked it substantially more than the first one. Okay. That is an incredible statement. I, I, like, I like that. Yeah. I like what you're saying. I really didn't like the first yeah, one. Yeah, you really didn't. And uh-huh. here's the thing. A lot of people didn't like the first one. Yeah. And the people that didn't like the first one, I think a lot of them are liking the second one more. Um, uh, but some things confuse me a little bit. Let me yeah. I'll, let me do first what I liked about the movie. Yeah. Um, Godzilla, I thought, when he was on screen, awesome. Yeah. Commanding presence, had some cool evolutions and morphologies that they added on this time. And they even gave it a little explanation. They were like, in his hibernation, in his home he's able to kind of evolve and come up with new things, which yeah. I thought was cool because Godzilla is one of those characters that throughout the years and all the 35 films that he's been in, they will randomly add powers to his right. uh, pantheon. They don't really explain it. So this is a cool way to do that. I thought they treated the Godzilla lore really well in this yeah. movie. I thought they treated Ooh, Mothra. I forgot about that. I loved all that like Egyptian stuff that they found like under the sea. Yes. Where it was like all this where they Well, were, I mean, they were, the discovery of it, I was yeah. like, what yeah, is this up movie going? I, was pretty, I was pretty shocked. We looked at each other, we were like, we're done, right? This is it. <laughs> yeah. this, this movie is zero. They, they kind of redeemed it by like showing these like, you know, caricature pictographs of them as got like the monsters being gods. Yeah, there like, was a lot of uh, mythology that they like added pre his pre prehistoric times. Here is uh, in front of us on the table is a prequel uh, graphic oh, yeah, novel to the movie um, that came out today that I read this morning uh, in preparation. It's got some uh, talking about Vera Farmiga's character uh, and her motivations, which are very foggy in this comic and yeah. very foggy in the movie. Yeah. Um, and very, very forced. I did like uh, in this comic a couple things uh, that were cool from a total nerd. Why do you buy that? Because I'm a nerd. Yeah, all right. Uh, do you see all the things before you? I'm I know, but it, it, it's like, it's, it's, I a, love pro- it's a problem. You're like, you're like, it's a sequel to this 2014 movie that I didn't really like. I have a soft spot. So, this is all guilty pleasure for me. <laughs> like, here's the thing about me and guilty pleasures. There are things I recognize are bad. And I'll tell, I'll be the first person to tell you. Like, like Predator. Uh, the new one uh, from 2018. That is a bad movie. I wouldn't show that to my wife and say, this is a good sci-fi movie that you should see. I wouldn't show that to my friends and say, this is a good movie that you should see. I would say, if you like the lore of Predator, if you are a total dork and you read the expanded universe novels and blah, 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 and if you like, you know, really stupid movies, you will enjoy this. And I, there are things that I just cannot help myself 
I the thing that draws me into film is the being a little kid and seeing Jurassic Park. When yeah, I was, like, I'm saying I, I that's really the kind of fan that I am. empathize I'm, with that. But, the, but this I'm, seems to be a series that you don't even really like that much. Well, at least for the last like four inputs yeah, of it, and <laughs> like, you are now my um, Godzilla therapist because that is what I was saying at the beginning of this podcast. Am I even a fucking fan of this shit? No, you're a fan of collecting items. Well, yeah, I mean, that's obvious. Well, I wouldn't have bought... mm, No, I still wouldn't have bought it. Um, I was really intrigued by the setup of 14. If you loved 14 and went out and and bought this, I'd be like, that makes sense. No, but I did. No, but I did love 14. Like, 14 is a movie I gave a 7 out of 10. That's true. I loved things about 14. Uh, It almost was the Godzilla movie that I always wanted. Um... Today's movie. Nothing happened for the entire movie. Right. That's a way, well, you know. That's the way that a lot of people looked at it. Um, I, that's not the way that I saw. I it don't at go the to time. the Godzilla movie for fucking monologues. Exactly. I exactly. I see monsters fuck shit up. But I, I'm a little different. I like uh, nerdy properties, but I like interesting takes on them. I like sometimes takes that everyone else thought were terrible that I thought were really good. Um, yeah, couldn't wrap your head around Book of Henry though. No, because that was, I mean, that was, oh my God, I hated that more than anything. And, and, but, the, but there are movies like that that I do enjoy. And, um, there, you know, it just depends for me. I'm very, I'm just very hot or cold on certain things. And with me, giant monster stuff, I want to support it, like, by buying the books and seeing the movies because I want those kinds of movies to be in the forefront. I would prefer a Godzilla movie to come out, um, than another Transformers. I would prefer, you know, stuff that originated um, through properties I just liked more. It's just like something about this series I do like. I just don't think that they've gotten it perfectly right. And I think that if you were to ask a Godzilla fan who's seen 35 of these movies at this point, there's plenty of examples of that. They've been making terrible Godzilla movies time and time again. Yeah. But there's a hokey aspect to it. Again, I'll watch anything with giant monsters in it. The Mist. Yeah. I mean, the I, end of The Mist is like... like what I dream about yeah. giant monsters with tentacles I love Lovecraft horror Lovecraftian horror is one of my favorite genres of anything that has ever existed and this plays into that these are old gods monsters that's a Lovecraft thing I mean that's where all of these ideas really came from the first giant monster stories are Lovecraftian yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm a huge horror fan I'm a huge science fiction fan I mean, Cloverfield and, like, yes, Cloverfield Paradox, everyone shits on that. Everyone shitted on Pacific Rim 2. I enjoy those movies. I don't, I'm not going to say that they're the best. I know they have faults. But I'm able to, with certain things, um, forgive, uh, you know, mistakes. Um, with, with a movie like The Last Jedi, I could not forgive that because of what it tried to do to the lore. And a couple times today I was thinking of that movie when we were watching this because in this movie... And I like this. They took the mythology of Monarch and, like, these monsters, and they did something with it. Yeah. Right? The last movie, it was like, oh, shit, there's monsters. Like, how far are we really going to take this? Not that far. This one posited that, you know, the world was basically about to end a couple times in this movie because there were so many monsters unleashed. Yeah. I love that they brought a Muto back because I really like those creatures designed from the 2014 ones. I'm glad they brought that back. They brought several monsters back from... Uh, the King Kong movie that were uh, running around cities at certain points, and I did like that aspect of it. I liked. I love the destruction, like just yeah, the, the way they action. showed that shot of Washington D.C. completely fucking 
ravaged. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was very uh, Independence Day esque. I, I like what they did with the mythology. I like how you uh, mentioned that, like Aztec underground Atlantis city. Yeah. Um, that was cool. I thought that the gadgets and the planes and everything was cool. But I will say that. Um, it did turn into what I would say is closer to Godzilla the animated series than anything because it really took an idea that was treated seriously, yeah. quote unquote, in 14, right, and turned it into a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, and many times throughout, uh, what is the what's Team America based on? Uh, what is that with the puppets? Like, eight, uh, just like there's this old. Sp- series from the 60s where a bunch of puppets are on this high-tech plane they're like flying around fighting monsters and blah blah blah. it was like almost that it was cartoony okay um and it just had a different tone than the last one and i thought that the cartoonish stuff kind of helped aid in the monsters and make that believable i thought not a single one of the jokes landed in the entire humor was bad and there were a lot of them so i like the the continuation from the last movie i like the building on the lore i like the effects were fantastic um and uh yeah i think that's the best that i can say about it in terms of positives i do want to say something about the effects though that i was thinking the entire time yeah is that i was having a really good time in the third act like we were saying yeah but like i don't know that i would have enjoyed this movie as much as i did if I wasn't getting shaken around and fucking sprayed with water really? all over the time. So you think that... So, oh, man. Yeah, so, at so, times I thought the same thing. Because there were moments where I was like, this isn't the type of movie I'd really like, but it kind of just became fun because, like, I don't know how I'm about to get well, it launched like a little, like, It was like, like a, a ride. ride. Yeah, I was like yeah. a little kid. But, like, so then I'm like, okay, so does that mean I have to concede that the 4DX experience elevates the theater-going experience? And, and therefore said. that means it's worth it. You just made but, that point. But, like... Case in point. Yeah. I think you enjoyed the movie more, even if incrementally by two percent yeah by the 40 I, I, i'd say it i enjoyed it oh i well, imagine if you and i just I, watched I, that I hated, movie I on my hated, tv downstairs right. i hated you 2014 i was bored to yourself. tears yeah this one had just as cringy dialogue moments as 14 did if not worse probably substantially worse because there were forced like subtle jokes that were really fucking just ripped down your throat we're and, almost and, there dan and presented in a way presented what's up Said we're almost there. We're almost at negatives. Yeah, presented at a yeah, presented at a way that no one speaks, like no one speaks in like set up punchline like to each other. Okay. The point is, do you think you would have liked how much? Do you think you would have liked this movie to the same degree if we had just seen it in IMAX? Which IMAX is still awesome. Like the sound is awesome. Like, I would have said about the same. You think it would have been the same? I'm not fooled by special effects. There are things that I need out of a movie that if they don't achieve for me, I go a little bonkers. Right. So let's move on to negatives. All right. What the fuck with this movie? <laughs> oh my God! There was two hours of this movie that I couldn't stand, dude. It was like, dude, it was fucking... <laughs> the first 10 minutes were so good. And I was like, oh, we're going there. We're doing it. And like, there was mythology peppered throughout that I enjoyed. But the fucking... Everything! It's so stupid! Why? Why were there so many characters in this movie? There's 40 fucking characters!
characters. Oh, and then you meet the submarine captain. Now he's a fucking yeah. character. Then you meet the plane captain. Yeah. Now she's a fucking character. There's 15 soldiers. Yeah. There's four fucking people in the family. There's the fucking monarch organization. There's their, like, quota. There's middle of, ditch. There's, like, always, like, a strong female black woman oh. yet, like, yelling at people. Like. Oh, my God. I was like, who? Would... There's so many multi-ethnic characters. Then there's the <laughs> soldier. Did you notice there's, like, the albino, like, trans-looking soldier? <laughs> model guy? I was like, what? Why are we adding characters for two hours into this movie? Why are we still adding people? I know. I know. Here's the thing about Godzilla 2014. All the events of the plot of this movie are based on the events of what's happening with Godzilla. Right. This movie had a plot yeah. that the humans were enacting regardless of the monster's actions. Right. Cut all of the monster fighting out of it, and there's still a plot at, at hand with the back... What's his name? The guy who... Uh, plays uh Tyrion's father in Game of Thrones. Yeah, I don't know his name. Um he was the he was kind of the bad guy in this movie and his plot was like very James Bondish yeah. and the execution was he's an, he's super an sloppy. He's an eco-terrorist. His whole vibe is that like he's going to try to free the monsters to destroy the world because humans are a virus. It's like it's like a very fucking go-to plot these days like oh the motivations of every character in this movie were bonkers. Yeah. Bananas. Yeah. I was like, uh, the, the, there the was a point at which I was like, I kept turning to you and saying, is Godzilla in this movie? Because it was so focused on the human element and the human element was fine. The plot of it was fine on paper, but it was so fat. It had so many characters. Yeah. And I swear to God, Dan, 40X did not make me dizzy. Godzilla fighting King Ghidorah did not make me get dizzy. What made me fucking dizzy is every three seconds in this fucking movie, we're in a different country, <laughs> yeah. we're on a different side of the world. One time, they showed a part of the world where it was just an establishing shot. And right, then it, right. the next shot was a different place right. with a different title. Right, right, and I turned right. to you, I was like, what? That What's was, happening? That was when they switched between <clears throat> Arizona and fucking, like, uh, yes. like it was like... Portugal or something. Dude, it was a, uh, a maybe, what, five-second scene yeah. of, uh, of of an establishing shot, all digital, and then, poof, uh, next place. I, my head was spinning. It was it was a, a cavalcade of locations that did not need to be, and characters, that could have all been trimmed in an editing room. It is too late, but on, on paper... They should have looked at the last movie and said, we just need a very relatable through line. Uh, in this case, it would have been fantastic actors who played in that family. Vera yeah. Farmiga, Millie Bobby Brown, they're all great. So Kyle Chandler, they're all great actors. Just have that family. Who's Kyle through Chandler? Is that... uh, the dad. I thought his... Whose character was like the everyman. I thought ridiculous, his... But dialogue was the worst in absolutely the movie. it was he was given shit to work with and he looked drunk honestly did he it, look like disheveled yeah, to you it, it looked like it was like it was like the dialogue of like a jean-claude van damme movie for him the dialogue it in was this movie the most was, generic big budget action shit like it's the movie couldn't the uh, amount of times like that's my wife out there the movie could not decide whether it was corny or funny or yeah. serious self-referential like middle ditch and uh bradley whitford bradley whitford's bradley whitford attempts at comedy diffused is like great moments in the movie right great moments he's this and, like he's like this awesome stoner fucking like 
The, yeah, like Whitford is though. It, yeah, and in he, between the two he, characters, and, you and think Bradley Whitford's an old man now. He's calling everyone dude. It's literally like at one point he goes, "Dude, what are you doing, bro?" Yeah, dude, He's a fucking like seventy year old man. It reminded me of um, oh man, I don't remember the actor's name. But the bottom line is that yeah, the humor was just terrible. And there was a, there was a couple in the theater that were eating it up. Did you notice that? That every yeah. time they, there was one guy, they made some joke. Oh, when he goes, there's like a monster flying towards the other monster, and the guy's like, he's either there for food, a fight, or a f- like about to say, yeah. or a fuck. And there was like one dude in the back right of the corner that was like, oh, oh, he almost said f-. oh and they yeah. did say fuck. They like they did. It was it, a good line. Was this PG thirteen? Yes. There's like there's, allowed they were allowed one fuck, fuck right? And, Nate and they fucking it. went right for what it. What was that? Okay, he was like. It was so unnecessary. The guy was just like, oh, that was great. That was fucking crazy. (laughs) It was awesome. Whatever I I wish I had. If the movie were out, I would play the clip. But uh, just imagine someone saying fuck in an awesome way in a PG-13 movie. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, the human element was just so jumbled and all over the fucking place and did not allow for me to feel vested in any singular character really at all. Right. Uh, Ken Watanabe was pretty much abused like a housewife in this movie. <laughs> he was put to shame. I'm not going to go into that because actually we really haven't spoiled this movie all that much. Right. I, I don't feel as if we totally need to. Um, but, oh my God, what a fucking mess. And it just sucks, dude, because uh, they could have done it with this one. I mean, they had all, again, the pieces were there. And I hate it when, the, you know that's my least favorite thing, yeah. is when the pieces are there... But the puzzle is incomplete yeah. in this movie. And it's a movie that I'm probably going to buy. <laughs> and I'm probably going to own it. And I'm going to watch it. And I'm going to enjoy it. I don't care. Um, I'm a fucking piece of shit. I'll do whatever. I don't... I love what I love. Um, and, here's, here's the and thing. I, and it, I remember a specific... Mo- this is how sad I am. I remember a specific moment in the third act where I was like, okay, I could own this movie. <laughs> And that's how I felt. I mean, it just was a goddamn mess. But if you love Godzilla, if you're one of those people that loved Godzilla 2014, which there are some, yeah, uh, both of you. God damn it! Yeah, both both me and the action figure of Godzilla in front of me. <laughs> We're the only two fans. Um, this felt like a uh, cartoon Saturday morning TV version of the movie that came before it. It could have probably tried to do what the last movie did, but correct. It decided to go more in the... Here's the perfect... And this is why I was thinking of Independence Day 2. Okay? Independence Day 2, most of that movie takes place in space because uh, after the aliens have invaded Earth, they take their tech and use it to build a moon base where the U.S. government uh, operates out of. As one does. And so the movie takes place primarily in space uh, on a human base on the moon. Right. As a result, it's a cartoon of itself because you can't make that shift in in yeah. some ways. That's like, you just can't do that with certain properties. And Godzilla, you know, has in previous movies gone into space and been totally ridiculous. But this was kind of like... Too much in one basket, too much in another. I don't, I don't know. It was uh, definitely a flawed experience. Uh, I laughed at it several, yeah, you many times, dying. laughing, dying. Okay, so here's one thing that where I started giggling like a fucking <laughs> baby when Rodan, the giant winged creature, 
uh, comes out of the volcano, I, uh, they kept like zooming in on it, and it was like smiling and like yeah. and, like winking and like yeah. and like um, it looked exactly like the Skeksis from the Dark Crystal. Have you seen the Dark Crystal? No. Oh man! To anybody listening out there, you're gonna appreciate it way more. But the design was exactly the same on these creatures' faces, and the Skeksis are like really comical. They're like. <laughs> this is a Jim Henson movie. Okay. And um, these are like bird creatures. And it just looked like cross-eyed. And, and there were so many shots in the movie where they would cut to Rodan. And he'd be like, Burr! and like his eyes would be going two different directions. And <laughs> I just did not feel like that design worked. I also didn't, had trouble just from like a realism perspective trying to buy into King Ghidorah's just as, as a real thing that exists on planet Earth. Right. With Godzilla, you have the roots of him being a lizard or him being a you know behemoth you know, lizard monster. That I can picture. But like the three heads and the faces of the dragon are dog-like. They're more they're like very canine-ish, um, kind of like a lot of dragon designs from Asian culture. Um, and yeah, they looked ridiculous. At points, they looked ridiculous. In the final scene... I think all the creatures look great. Once everything was out and they were at the Fenway Park shit, yeah. and my seat was like giving me a fucking blowjob, basically, I was like, this is awesome! And I wish that the whole movie were that way. Um, as it stands, like, the things that shocked me the absolute most in this movie were that I was reading online, and people are like, you know, people who bitched about Godzilla's not in it are going to be really turned around on this one. And I know a month from now there's going to be a clip on YouTube, Godzilla 2019, all Godzilla clips, and it's going to be four fucking minutes long because he was not in the fucking movie. For he had a death, he had a resurrection, he was yeah. sleeping, he was charging up, he was. There were so many times he was waylaid. It was unbelievable, and I think uh, Godzilla fans will be blinded by the fact that all the other monsters are on display at the at those times. But I just wanted to see more of Godzilla. That's all I gave a shit about. That's all I brought me into any of this. Right is show me the fucking giant radioactive lizard. Yeah. Okay? And there were beautiful scenes of that in this movie. There were special effects scenes, dude, in this movie that were incredible. Yeah. Like when he was swimming yeah. at the screen yeah. in the first reveal of him, and his spines are glowing, and he's swimming underwater. Yeah. The sound design, the mixing, the and, effects, I mean, everything yeah. was gorgeous. Everything on all the creatures was lovingly done. It was beautiful. Um, that's a movie I could look at an art book too. Definitely, I love movie art books, even in movies I don't particularly like because um, I love concept art. And it was just gorgeous. Um, it was a terrible movie, though. I mean, it really, it, it drove me insane because I just watched it unfurl and loosen up piece after piece, and the whole time I'm thinking, wow, I'm just really letting Dan down. <laughs> I let him down with the last one, letting him down with this one. Like, what are we even doing? Like, this is like, should I even... What am I doing with my life? But then the third act hit, yeah. and they went fucking Boston, and, dude, and they fucking uh, rich up Fenway, dude. Monsters, baby. Oh my god, they blew up Boston. Yeah, um, Boston got fucking Boston got absolutely wrecked. But then, like, of course, Bradley Whitford has to be like, "Oh, it's a bad day to be a Red Sox fan." <laughs> it's like it's not funny. An entire city just was slaughtered to death. Yeah, dude. Oh, oh Bradley Whitford and Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, I hated them so yeah. much. And the, you and always the see Thomas Middleditch being like the dumb fucking idiot, like cartoon clown character. And then you had not one, but two token black commander <laughs> army people that needed to say, oh, damn. And <laughs> yeah. like, shit, really? And yeah. like shit like that throughout the movie. Yeah. You had Ice Cube's son. <laughs> yeah. 
who was not in the movie. I don't know why he's doing press for it. He has eight lines in the movie. He's no arc. I don't even think he has a name. He's, he's pretty sure he didn't have a name. Yeah. Um, he is terrible in it. Little and Cube. Little Cube was awful in it. And the Black Commander <laughs> female chick, who I've seen in a bunch of stuff recently, she was not given uh, anything to work with. Other people would make one-liners, and then she would go, damn, at yeah. the end of them. Yeah. So that was, like, the extent of her character building. Yeah. Um, Vera Farmiga was good. Uh, it was a lot of, it was also the, the black woman, it was also a lot of her being, like, like, you know, someone makes a plan, and she being like, no, we shouldn't do that. And they're like, shut the fuck up, you're not a real character. And she's like, all right, carry on. It was just, She was constantly there to be, like, a contrarian to what they were proposing, and be like, I don't think it's a good idea. Zhang Ziyi was also in it. Um, she probably was put in it. The same reason Pacific Rim 2 and all these plays, uh, all these movies, and Independence Day 2 all put Chinese actors in their movies because they are appealing to now two markets, the Chinese movie market, which is ten times the size in some ways as the U.S. movie market. And, and I mean, so, it's a Japanese IP. Yeah, but you have to understand, the Chinese movie market yeah. is what movies are being made for these days. That they gear them, Japan, whatever, they gear these movies, and you can look up, there's quadrillions of articles about this, J- uh, China is the number one and two market of movies in the world. It's kind of the U.S. and China are the two superpowers, okay. because the sheer amount of people yeah. in China control so much of that money that they constantly, there are companies whose sole job it is to put Chinese characters, scenarios, and locations into Hollywood action movies being made in this. This isn't even a theory. This is an actual thing that's happening. Um, that's a huge thing these days. And this movie had a bit of that. And all of these sequels, they seem to do that, if you notice, because they are scared because the first movie, either it's been a while or it needs to make more money. And they know that if they appeal to that side, in fact, speaking of Transformers, either the fourth or fifth one of them took place almost exclusively in China for this reason. Because the Chinese market, in some ways, is more valuable than the American market. Right. Um, so this blockbuster movie mentality is you have to appeal to both. And I felt like there's some of that in this, and it was okay. Um, and just on the whole, it's just a great big mess with great big monsters in it that I like a lot. And I'll continue to support. And Godzilla vs. King Kong, who, uh, which is coming out in a year from now, basically, a year and a half, is being directed by somebody I like a lot. Who has a lot of potential, and so I guess I'll. That's been working well lately. Have to uh, catch you there, um, where uh, you know you'll watch Kong Skull Island, and then we'll go see that one. Forty X, right? Yeah, that'll be the sequel episode. I, I can't imagine there's still Forty X by that point. <laughs> by that point, no, yeah, one and a half years from now, there'll be so, no more. What I, so what I want to say about this one, yeah, go ahead. is that I because you liked it a little more. Yeah. Okay. So I, I went in expecting nothing. I didn't enjoy the first one at all and the first act with same thing with the shallow human development throwing a thousand characters at me i was like this is just awful i was <laughs> i'm not i actually fell asleep at one point early in the movie i fucking and- thought you did <laughs> i was like uh, either you're so disappointed right now or you're sleeping i literally dozed off and woke up because my chair moved dude it was boring it was so fucking the boring the human part that felt like a full hour yeah. right off the bat yeah. of no monsters yeah. I mean, a full hour of but human development once shit started popping off it was pretty fucking epic 
in a way that I feel the first one didn't get to. The first one was a ton of waiting and ton of waiting, and then there was barely any Godzilla at all. Like, and right. it's not like this one where even when there's not Godzilla, there's seven, 17 other monsters they revealed. Yeah, they're around. So yeah, like there that's was what they said, but you know, yeah, I, they, I they counted. They about talked about it. five. Or I think we had like of seven of them yeah. show up here. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I, I by that alone, the fact that the third act was what I want from this type of movie. And was that fucking well, like, just epic? I have to put it ahead of the first one. Awesome. Because the first one, I was bored to tears, and yeah. then at the end, I didn't care what happened. <laughs> this one, I was like, wow, I kind of, like, don't like that three-headed dog. I hope fucking Godzilla <laughs> kills it. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I, I could have used... And this one did a better job of showing, like, the destruction and, like, the impact on, like, individual cities and shit, I thought. It did. It did. I just somehow, still, through all oh. the things that you just said... I still just felt like it was a way I thought, stupider movie. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it was, it was stupid. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like embarrassing at times. I thought the score was great. Love the score. There was they were doing a lot of like um, like like modern classical music ooh, with like ah, Japanese fucking yeah like yeah, yeah. so like, was like there was like really good homages ah, to like the music from the old movies. Like um, yes, they had the actual lines. We're gonna play some in the background yeah. right now. But um, yeah, Bear McCreary is the guy who is huge right now um, and did like The Walking Dead and stuff like that. Um, he uh, did the score and I think it was a big step up from Alexander Desplat who did the last one which I thought was good at times but this one had great themes yeah. throughout. Mothra's theme was like yeah. really it was, chill. It was super fucking, yeah, yeah. Ambient. Uh, I really liked Mothra's theme. I liked all this, yeah. All I really liked the way they were combining like Asian musical themes over like western music trope definitely a livelier score yeah and more the, the, just uh, the percussion that, that we yes. heard just boom, 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 yeah there's lots of drilling percussion and it wasn't the like Hans Zimmer like wasn't like Hans Zimmer wild right, type stuff right it was well done it was and I tasteful felt, I, I will probably listen to that soundtrack at least once yeah and they handled the monster reveals like once they started revealing all the monsters they handled it the way I want in that movie where it's like show monster dead on fucking rising from the ground like that yeah. that compilation shot where it's like the one monster comes up through the fucking mountain and like it turns out the mountain is just like a speck on his back like yeah. they did a really good job at showing the scale of the monsters with just this epic bump Um, yeah, I mean, there were some fantastic images. Yeah. uh, Some really stirring colors and palettes, and and there were times where I just kept thinking, oh, like, these CGI artists that really nailed it here may not get the recognition that they should get because, you know... The movie itself sucks. The movie was just, I mean, yeah, it was very frustrating for me. Yeah. It was exhausting. That's the other thing. It felt like it was eight hours long. I mean, there were scenes, whole whole chunks could have been hacked out of the movie. I don't whole know what it is with these, these blockbusters where they, they, like, I don't know. It's It feels to me like they're all, like, there's, like, a hard line rule that they have to be over two hours now. And I don't understand it because there's this always so, so much long. fucking, there's just, like, fat on it. I would have preferred 20 minutes less of human, human crap and just 20 minutes more of Godzilla if it was going to yeah. be two hours and 15 minutes. It just didn't need to be. Just there felt was, like Godzilla there was a... just was not in the movie that much, and that was not my complaint last time because I liked what he was going for and I understood it. This time it pissed me off. Yeah. Because the scenes that he was fighting monsters in were bad fucking ass. Yeah. And the scenes that he was not in were 
goofy sometimes. I mean, just Rodan and Ghidorah by themselves, pretty goofy at times. Yeah. And then there was, like, the one moment where they're, like, watching a video of two of the monsters fuck and they're blurring out their genitals. But the thing is, that was a shot from the first movie. Right, right. And that was their mouths touching. Yeah. Like, they didn't even get that right. Yeah. It was so, ugh. It's like, so lazy and exploit- exploitative of what the first movie did at times. And, and in some ways it worked, like the mythology stuff. Yeah. I was like, cool. You guys figured out how to run with that a little yeah. better. Um, but in other regards, it just was like a parody of itself at times that I just didn't think was necessary. It could have been hacked down. I, I, I don't understand when movies like this are overly complicated. It's yeah. like you have such a cool concept. You have such a cool ability to do something awesome. Make it less complicated. Make it just a straight-on story about a family. Because that's what you're going for. How many times were people arguing about divorce? Like the, t- the, the woman, uh, Vera Farmiga's character, and Kyle Chandler were divorced... And here they are in an army general suite with everyone looking, all the armies, army generals with all their regalia standing there, and they're arguing like a, like a divorce couple yeah. over a video chat. Yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. Um, their, oh, and you didn't talk about the, the PowerPoints. So that's where we're going to right, right now. Right. So that that is a ridiculous scene, but also, yes, as Dan just alluded to, uh, there were many PowerPoint presentations in this movie. At one point, they zoomed in on Zhang Ziyi's desktop, and there were 75 fucking JPEGs open. At the same time, she had, like, a tablet that was, like, 80 inches by 80 inches, and there was a 1,000 images of dragons. Like, yeah. And she, it, that was a sporadic conversation she was having with someone, and they started talking about uh, King Ghidorah, and she was like, yeah, dragon mythology, and she just reaches down and pushes a button, and 75 yeah. images of a dragon... Open up on her desktop. There's one moment where, um, what's the, the lead actress's name with the blue eyes? Vera Farmiga. Yeah, so she, um, uh, we won't spoil it, but there's a twist midway about her character motivation midway through the movie. And there, ever all the characters are confused about what she was doing. So she shows up on their video screen eventually, and they're all angry at her. So she reveals her grandmaster plan, and the way she reveals it is by on the screen, the screen cuts to like... Not even a PowerPoint presentation. This is like a fully animated, oh like the things that she was talking there, about, like poverty, yeah. like world disease. She's giving a whole <laughs> monologue while it's cutting the clips of like the Sudan regrowing. Like she had to have had this produced professionally. Like this is not something you could just make. And she's like, "All right, they'll all understand my motivation as long as I have this like three minute clip of what the future will hold." It, it's just it that took me out of the movie entirely. It was completely baseless. That was mental. Yeah. All right, so... All right, what is your rating for... All right, so what did I give the first one? Five out of ten? Yeah. I'll give this one 6.5 out of ten. Golden guns. Pew, pew! I am also going to give this a 6.5 out of ten. Hey! For those keeping score at home, uh, the Movie Blues podcast averages... A review of 6.5 <laughs> golden guns. I mean, the two zeros we had probably lowered it. <laughs> did we both give something a zero? What? Do we both give something a zero, or is that just me? On the podcast? Yeah. Yoga hosers. Yes. We both, yeah, that's for sure. I have not doubled back on that yeah. opinion yeah, at not even a little all. Bit. In fact, I've gotten worse. All right, all right ladies enough. and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to our Godzilla Super Spectacular, uh, which Dan is going to like name or something later in, in post. But yeah. um, thank you very much, and check back next week where we're going to do a rundown of like recent media, things we're liking. Dan's going to talk about a new cool movie app that he has checked out with his wallet, and I'm just going to like you know hang out, hit my pen, and say dumb shit back to him. So yeah, we're looking forward to it. Thanks for tuning in, guys.
And we, we do recommend seeing 4DX, is that right? I recommend seeing 4DX. I recommend seeing this movie. Don't go see like don't go see are... like Chocolat. Yeah, don't see Chocolat. <laughs> no, that'd be good. They pump chocolate smells in. Yeah, and, so and, really... and the body odor smell when Johnny Depp is on screen. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note. And on that note, we'll see you guys next week. Godzilla's hiding and it's up to you to find him. Just buy a medium or larger drink. If you find Godzilla, use your decoder to reveal what you want. Uh -oh. I think I need a bigger book.